This morning, uh, we're going to continue. In, now we're transitioning into the third act. So uh, we're going to do a congregational prayer together. And, 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 and here's the heart behind this. We can't hope to understand what the Spirit wants to say through the Word today unless He stands in the gap for us and gives us the power to understand the Word of God. Do we understand that? Okay, that, that it's only by the Spirit that we can fully understand the Word of God. And it's only by the Spirit that we can actually live according to the Word of God. And so this, uh, this congregational prayer is a prayer that is just asking for the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us today. And, and you'll see uh, it starts on the f- first page and then ends on the second page, so we'll have to do a little page flip. But I'm sure we can all handle that. So let's, let's pray this together, and I'll, I'll, I will lead us. Holy Spirit, we cannot hope to grasp the truth of the gospel without your help. Spirit, please come. We seek to understand your word and the eternal truth revealed within. Spirit, please come. Jesus said that you would lead us into all truth. Spirit, please come. Our hearts are open. Our minds turned your way. Spirit, please come. And Lord, we, we do pray these things together. We're, we're, we're entirely dependent upon you this morning. Uh, Lord, this could go a lot of different directions, but if we're approaching this in our own power, we're in a lot of trouble. And this is not going to go anywhere that's going to take us towards you. But in fact, we could actually engage the scriptures in such a way that it could turn us inward rather than towards you if our, if our hearts aren't postured towards you. Lord, please draw us in as we've just prayed, Spirit, come mingle with our hearts this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's take a look at Galatians chapter 4 together. We're going to be starting in verse 8. Actually, we're going to go ahead and go back to verse 7 just because I think it sets up the rest of the chapter pretty well. So we're going to start in verse 7. We're just going to read this block of verses together this morning to prepare our hearts. And then we are going to do a little dissecting and see what the Spirit wants to say to us today through His Word. So Galatians, or Galatians 4, verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to become once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And, and, and though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? 
They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. This is the word of the Lord. Can we praise God for it? Let's give, let's give the Lord a hand for his word. We'll say thank you, Lord. Um, there's a lot going on here, so uh, we're going to do our best to, to at least pull out some things. That, there's a series, there are a series of questions that I want to pull out and, and ask as we walk through these, these uh, words from God. And the title of today's message is Living as Sons and Daughters. And we could say that maybe a subtitle would be Jesus is Better or Jesus is Worthy. Because Paul is really taking Christ and he is placing him in comparison and against false idols and our former way of living when we were slave to sin. So we're going to walk through some things. And the first question that we're going to be asking is, what is God calling us to do in this passage? And, and, and um, it's kind of big, the thing that he's calling us to do. Because there's a clear theme here. And that is that it's that God is calling us to live as sons and daughters of him. His sons and daughters, rather than as slaves to sin and death. Citizens of the world. We're called to live as citizens of the kingdom. Residents of heaven. Residents of the very palace of God himself. Who are heirs to his throne. It's very difficult to wrap our brains around that, isn't it? Uh, I have a hard time viewing myself as someone who is in the line of succession to the king of the universe. Now, yes, God never dies, so it's not like I'm ever going to sit on that throne. I don't have any intention to sit on that throne. But, but understand this, that you stand in the line of succession if you are a child of God. That's, that's something that's kind of wild to think about. And last week, Pastor Dwight said something that uh, I thought was so good that it, we need to repeat it again. And that is that our identity, we've got we've to have a shift in identity. So in order to actually live this way, we've got to start thinking of ourselves as sons and daughters of God. We can't go around thinking of ourselves as somebody who just got in because God felt pity. Right? Sometimes I think we view ourselves that way. I, I view myself that way sometimes. Don't you ever just feel like, like I am an untimely born child of the kingdom, you know? I mean, I just don't really deserve to be here. Anybody? I mean, just you ever feel that way? We have to stop treating ourselves and thinking of ourselves as if we are unwanted children and actually believe that we are desired by the Father. We're sons and daughters because he wants us. Not just because he, uh, he uh, felt pity and, and, or, or because, you know, we just so happened to, to wander in at the, at the right time. Or because he's obligated because of the cross to let us in. We are sons and daughters because he wants to have us as sons and daughters. 
And again, in, that, in verse 7, he sort of sets the standard for the rest of this passage. That, and, and, and this is an identity statement. So I want to speak it over us this morning. And I would like for you to receive this if you're a child of God. Now, if you're not a child of God, you should become one by repenting, turning away from your sins and believing in Jesus. And we can talk more about that. Uh, but, but if you're a child of God, I want you to receive this because the Father speaks this over you. And he's done it here. So you are no longer a slave. Do you receive that, Christian? You are no longer a slave. You are no longer defined by your old sinful self anymore. The world isn't who gets to name you anymore. God calls you son or daughter. You are a son or a daughter. And if you are a son or a daughter, then you are an heir through God. What that means is everything the Father possesses belongs to you as well. When Jesus claimed that he was the Son of God, people got up in arms because they said he claimed equality with God. Do you understand that Christ in his work has brought you up to his position? We need to embrace that if we're going to even be able to move forward in this. So uh, then Paul reminds us in, in verse 8 of who we used to be apart from Christ. He says, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved. So that's who we used to be. We were slaves to what? To sin. We were slaves to death. We were slaves to our own impulses, which drew us away from the Father. Now, Paul reminds us, again, using a key word, formerly. It's a good word here. It's, it's, an, it's a word that we need to embrace and hold on to. Formerly. What does that mean? It means no more. This is not who you are anymore. But you used to be. So we need to recognize, hey, I used to be a broken person who was enslaved to sin and death, who was apart from God. That's who I used to be. But that's not who I am anymore. And in that, in that place where we were broken and dead in our sins and trespasses, we were, we were, we were enslaved to these religious patterns and to these, these striving patterns. And the, and the horrible thing about it all is no matter how hard we tried, we could never make up the ground that we lost because of sin and death, right? And we talked about this earlier in the, uh, during the Sunday school time, but, um, but no matter how hard we strive to be better people, we can never, ever make up for the debt that we have because of sin. We'll never dig a deep enough well to pull enough good water out to balance out what has been tainted. It can't happen. It's impossible. Our debt is so big. And yet we are those who are called to be sons and daughters of God and to actually live like that's true. That seems like a pretty big thing that we're tasked with, doesn't it? For people who are formerly slaves to now live like sons and daughters of the king and to think like sons and daughters of the king. Like we're supposed to put the slavery mindset away and the slavery lifestyle away. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I find myself struggling 
with the slavery mindset and the slavery way of life. I find myself, even while striving to serve God, sometimes I find myself going back to the old well that was tainted. Now, why do we struggle with this? I, I think everyone who's honest about their Christian life will, will, will be honest and say, I struggle to live the Christian life. Hopefully we're struggling. Hopefully we're actually trying and we're not just giving back into our old ways. But, but we struggle. It's, it, it is a struggle. It's, it's something that doesn't come naturally to us because we're still living in these bodies which are tainted by sin, even though we've been set free from it. But it, it, you know, it, it sounds all well and good for God to say, you, you are a son, so live like it. But why do we struggle to do what God has called us to do? That's the second question we're looking at. Why do we struggle? We know what he's called us to do. Why do we struggle to actually live like it? Uh, and, and again, this sounds good. You know, somebody, and, and, and this is something that you may have, that my wife would tell you, I may have a tendency to say things like this, you know, just be different. Just, you know, just do better. Live like a, like a child of the king. You know, um, uh, the uh, movie What About Bob? <laughs> you know, like one of those, like, uh, you know, instead of the, a baby step, maybe it's just like, hey, you know, embrace it, you know, child. You know, like, can you imagine a psychologist that, uh, that, that you came into their office for counseling and, that, and that's what they said? There's a skit uh, Bob Newhart did um, for, I think it was like Mad TV or somebody like that, where, where his character, he's a, he's a psychologist, and he comes in and he says, hey, listen, uh, there's just two words that you need to know. She tells him all of her whole problem. He says, two, two things, and that's it. This will solve your problem. You just need to think this. Stop it! <laughs> and as you can imagine, the, uh, the counseling session doesn't go very well. But it is hilarious and worth looking up on YouTube, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, but... Uh, but it, does, it just doesn't seem to really work that way, does it? Um, I can stand in the mirror and look at myself and say to myself all day long, you are a son of the king now. Why don't you just live like it and stop, stop living and thinking like that old dead guy that you're dragging around. But I really struggle in my flesh to actually do that. The problem is that we, we honestly can't do it. And we struggle and we fail to live as sons and daughters and the reason, why we, is, the reason why we struggle and fail is because we keep trying to live as sons and daughters, but under the principles of our old way. And that's kind of what Paul's been saying this whole time. Go back to the beginning of chapter 3 where Paul says, Hey, you foolish Galatians, come on. You know? Did you start by the Spirit? Are you now going to finish by the flesh? Because what were they doing? They, were, they, they had started by the Spirit, but now they'd embraced some of the, these guys had come in who were, were preaching a false gospel that was Jesus plus something, and we all know that Jesus plus something equals nothing, right? But they were saying that Jesus plus something will give you life. They were saying, well, yeah, you need Jesus, but also you need these good works over here. You've got to be a good Jewish boy, too. You've got to have the religion, of, and you, you need to be circumcised, and you've got to follow the dietary parts of the law. And, of course, you know, we know that, that uh, the apostles, when they had a meeting about that, were pretty upset because they, they were appealing to something other than faith for their salvation. Jesus plus something will always equal nothing. We just need Jesus. But what oftentimes happens is we start to appeal to something else. Our own ability to be good. You know, 
Am I trying hard enough? You ever, you ever have these moments where you start asking, boy, you know, I'm really struggling. I'm, there just must be something I'm not doing. I just need to try harder. I need to be better. And then we just fail harder. <laughs> you know, we just, we, we struggle more. Even though we know who God has called us to be, we're struggling to actually live by the new rules. And that is, the righteous will live by faith. So, all we really know in our hearts for years and years and years are the old rules. And Paul refers to these in Colossians where he says, you know, that we shouldn't submit to the old way of life. Do not taste, do not touch, do not handle all these things. Because those things aren't going to advance us in the kingdom. But those come very naturally to us. So a couple observations, even though it was uh, completely God's doing, which brought us into the kingdom, we often find ourselves acting like we have to add to Christ's work by being good kids. And that's not to say that we shouldn't want to live up to the standard of Jesus, but we need to understand that Christ has purchased our righteousness, so then everything after we do, we're to do in righteousness, not as if we're trying to earn it. And that is, that's a difference in understanding. You know, so in other words, to live like a son or daughter of the king, I just simply have to embrace that that's who I am. So when I do something good, it's not like I'm holding it over God's head saying, okay, God, I did this good thing, so now you have to respond. That's the pagan way of living, right? I bring a sacrifice that God gives me something good. And that's how we lived apart from Christ, too. You ever had, you ever, you ever, maybe yourself or somebody you know, gets really mad at God because, because God didn't give you what you wanted, but God, I've been a really good boy. I have this storehouse of righteous things. Now, God, you've got to do what, what I think you should do now. You've got to give me this prosperity. There's a whole false branch of the gospel that basically says, hey, you know, you, you do all these good things for God. He's got to give back to you. And then we find ourselves giving to get God's stuff instead of because we love God. The Christian life is centered on love. It's because I love him that I do what I do. I give to God. I don't expect anything in return. If he blesses me, great. But that's not why I'm giving. When I do something for him, I'm doing it because of my identity. Who am I? I'm a child of the king. So I want to live like a son of the kingdom. So I want to do for God out of that, out of my, my rest that I've already been granted in Christ. Not out of striving and, and expecting God to give me something in return. That's the pagan way. That's the old way of life. I make a deposit, I have to get a return. No, that's not, that's not right. I, I've once heard it described this way, and I love this. It says, before the cross, we were saved on credit. After the cross, we've been saved on debit. But this whole idea that the deposit Jesus made is big enough, God's bank account is big enough, I don't have to do anything to put anything in that account anymore. It's already done. It's paid for. Now my righteousness comes out of what Christ has already purchased. But so oftentimes in our minds we think we're still making deposits. But we're not. 
God has made an infinite deposit. I don't have to deposit. I just now want to live out of what has been stored up for me in Christ. It's kind of hard to understand that concept. I'm not, I'm not standing up here saying this like this is something that's super easy for us to embrace. These are some mysteries and some tensions that we are going to have to walk in. So I would encourage us to meditate on this. I love this where Paul says here, now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. This is such an important statement. Because again, I mentioned this earlier, but, but this means that it was our Father who initiated with us, rather than us who initiated with Him. We didn't come to Him begging. He came to us, imploring us to be a part of the family. You didn't, you weren't saved because you, you know, you, you, you crawled up at the feet of the Father and groveled. You were saved. And you may have had that sort of spirit of brokenness, and that's fine, but that's not why you were saved. You were not saved because of God's response to you. You were saved because you responded to Him. And He gave you the power and the grace gift to make that good response. Faith is a gift from the Father. And everyone who's ever believed in the gospel has received grace. That's why Paul writes to us in Ephesians that we're saved by grace through faith, right? God initiates his grace so that we have the power to respond in faith. Otherwise, we're dead in our sins and trespasses, right? I mean, so like dead things don't come to life unless someone who has the power of life grants life to the dead thing. And that is what regeneration is. God regenerates our hearts so that we can respond in faith to him. I don't want to get into the chicken or the egg argument today, but we can do that some other time. But let me just say that it requires a miracle of God to bring us to life so that we can respond. God must initiate. And so what that means for you and me is that you are wanted. This, I feel like this is important for somebody this morning. I just have the sense from the Spirit, this is important for somebody. You are wanted. Your Father wants you. I don't know, I'm, 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 I just I have a sense that there may be someone in this room who just feels like, who just doesn't feel like a child that the Father wanted. I don't know who you are. I, the Lord hasn't given me that. I just, I just have a sense that there's somebody who needs to hear. So I'm going to say it again. If that's you, hear the Father in this. You are wanted. He wants you. He loves you. He's pursued you. The cross was not an accident. The cross was on purpose. And when the Father poured his wrath out on his only son on the cross. Do you understand that the Father always knew that he was pouring his wrath out for your sins on Jesus? It's as much corporate as it is individual. It's both. But over and over again, the scriptures say that in love, the Father chose us to be his children. This is not an accident. It is absolutely intentional that your Father pursued you. And he did it by crushing his own son in your place so that your sins could be wiped out. Jesus made the deposit into the 
eternal account for you and for me and for all of us. And God has pursued us. If you are in this room and can declare that you have been saved, that you have been redeemed, you're a child of God, your Father wants you. And He has pursued you and He has spared no expense and He has, he has fought for you. You're a child of God because He wants you and He pursued you. You have been known by God. What a statement. Man, that just seems like something we might want to like make a wallpaper for the computer or like post that thing up in the car, you know, so that you see that. Man, I have become known by my Father. He pursued me. It's very intentional that the Apostle Paul worded it that way. (laughs) He wanted us to know this. The Spirit wanted us to know this. But then he reminds us, okay, if you've come... If you've become known by the Father, then why in the world would you go back to living like somebody who has not been pursued by the Father? In other words, if you're a dearly loved child whom the Father loves and whom the Father pursued and whom Christ died for, why would you go back to living like somebody who is an unwanted child? What kind of crazy person would be adopted into a good family and then would turn to that person who adopted you and say, you know what, this is ridiculous, I don't like you, I want to go back to my old way. That would be stupid. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, hey guys, when we do this, this is really dumb. But we need to recognize it. We need to recognize how foolish we're behaving when we behave in this way. When we return back to the old way, thinking that, you know, thinking like slave children, and, and when we're free children... Living like slave children, you know, like acting like God has to repay us for our actions rather than just living in the righteousness of Jesus. The Bible says we've been declared righteous. The Bible didn't say we earned righteousness. He said we've been declared righteous in Jesus. That's an important understanding. And then he goes on to say, you know, you observe days and months and Seasons and years, and, 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 you know, essentially, he's saying that when we return to these rituals as a way for God to accept us as righteous, then we do nothing more than return right back to the victim or slave mentality. But we've been set free from that. So, again, I know I've been saved by grace, but sometimes I find myself acting like I need to do better in order for God to love me. And that if I don't do the good thing, God will love me less. Am I the only one who feels like that sometimes? I have a feeling I'm not. Yeah, I see some, I see some people who are amening and feeling that out there. Okay, so um, we, we, we struggle with this complex. Many of us do. And throughout history, Christians have struggled with this. You, if you want a good picture of this, go grab a hold of John Bunyan's Pil- Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, great book. I'm just saying it's a classic. They have it on Audible if you don't want to read it. Um, it. It's a great book about the Christian life. But reality is when I'm living that way, when I'm living the way we just talked about, I'm not living as a son, and I fail to grab a hold of my inheritance. Now, an inheritance is not something that I earn, is it? An inheritance is something which has been earned for me that I receive as a gift. Your righteousness is an inheritance. 
from the Father. And it was earned for you by the work of the Son. And it has been dispensed to you by the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, who called you to the Father. And you responded because you heard the voice of the Good Shepherd as the Spirit beckoned to you. And you received an inheritance. Again, I, I know I might be beating a dead horse. That's okay. This horse needs to be beat dead. Okay, so let's say this again because we need to embrace this and I know we struggle to embrace this. You are not righteous before God because you've somehow built for yourself some great wealth. This is not an American get rich scheme, okay? This is not a, I pull myself up by my own bootstraps and, and, and I'm a self-made man. This is absolutely, I'm really glad I have a rich daddy. And he gave me everything that I have. If I'm righteous, it's because he's good. And he's declared me righteous. And I think that's what Paul's trying to get across to the Galatians. Because they're, they're slipping back. And so Paul's kind of coming in just like, you know, giving them a good slap. <laughs> hey, guys, boom, remember who you are. Don't live like you used to be. Don't live like you're the, you're the person you used to be. That person was dead. Remember who you are and live like a, a child of the kingdom. Well, and then we see in verses 16 through 17 that um, we oftentimes believe the false and flattering voices which tell us that wrong is actually right. Okay, so we have this internal thing that pulls us away from God, but then there's this external thing, and, and, and here's what some of this looks like. Um, in verses 16 and 17, he, he says, you know, um, or verses 15, it, uh, no, yeah, 16 and 17, um, he says, have I become your enemy? Paul, this good man who came and fought for them and, uh, on behalf of the Father. And he says, these people that are out here telling you that you need to return to this legalistic lifestyle, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. He's calling out their motives. But, but let me just point out some of these voices in our world today. Because the world will call you back constantly into slavery to sin. That's what the world wants for you. In fact, you will receive much acclaim if you add a little worldliness to your Christianity. Am I right? I mean, go on social media today and embrace something very worldly and say, I'm still a Christian, but I'm also going to add this to myself. I'm going to be a Christian, but hey, love is love, man. Man, the world loves somebody who claims to be a Christian but rejects a biblical sexual ethic. Am I right? The world loves somebody who claims to be a Christian but, but embraces the patterns of the world. Say, so, hey, it doesn't really matter how you live. You know, God's just going to sort it all out in the end. The world loves that. You'll be popular. The world likes people who tells them what they want to hear. In fact, it's even better if you renounce Christianity altogether and just embrace the ways of the world. We've seen that lately. There have been some who've, who have become apostate, who've rejected Jesus, and who've embraced the ways of the world, and the world is just, hey, all right, welcome to the club. The world, the world would love to have you go there. 
Everything in our culture is calling you to that place. But Paul reminds the Galatians that those people who are trying to call you back to your old way of life, back to sin and death, they don't have your good in mind. They don't love you. They just want what they can get from you. They would love to make a convert out of you back to the world so they can hold you up and say, See, God's not good. God's not real. They want to make an example out of you. They don't love you. They want to crush you. They want to use you. The Father loves you. The Father wants to sustain you and wants to bring you into his kingdom. And he wants to set you up on high to a lofty position earned for you by Jesus. He wants you to be free. The Father will never use you. Understand this. The Father doesn't want you because of what he can get from you. The Father doesn't want you just so he can get some like praise and worship from you or, or to use you as an example and be like, hey, look, everybody, look, here's my puppet over here that I... No, that's not what the Father wants from you. The Father wants you because he loves you, because you are valuable to him, because you are worth saving to him. You, your life is worth the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. The Father Amen. loves you. He won't use you like the world will use you. The world loves taking us back to the forbidden fruit. And we struggle because there's something within us that sort of wants to go back there. Realistically, we're battling against the flesh. But we know that uh, in and of ourselves, by the way, we, we probably find that we don't really have the power to overcome it. So there's, there's a little gloom and doom and a little, there's a lot mixed into what I just said there. Okay. Um, but just to summarize that, that was the second point, by the way. And um, in that, we really don't have the power to do this on our own, to live this Christian life. We just don't. But that brings us around to the third question, and very important question, and, and it calls us to look to Jesus. How did Jesus do what God is calling us to do? Well, we see in Christ the example. And, uh, you know, we've, we've mentioned this some uh, today already, but, but one of the reasons Christ came as a man and lived under the power of the Spirit was because he wanted to show us that it's actually possible to live in the power of the Spirit. Now, we're dead in our sins and trespasses, so we can't do it if left to ourselves. But when Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, he broke the power of sin and darkness. So what does that mean for us? What that means for us is that because Christ has broken sin and darkness, he's conquered death, that now we can live by faith, thanks to the grace of God. And living by faith means that with the power of the Spirit, we can overcome because we can be like Jesus. Now listen, God would never call us to live like Jesus if it wasn't a possibility. Like, he's not mean. You know, if it's something that isn't possible for your life, he, you know, I mean, I don't know about like some of the old ways, you know, holiness tradition where it says, hey, you can achieve perfection. I don't know about that. But I do think we can get pretty close if we walk by the Spirit. I think we can get pretty close. So that it's harder the longer we live and the more we walk in Jesus for people to tell where we stop and Jesus starts. And that's the life that we should be aiming for. We need to be quick to receive forgiveness when we fall. 
we, we don't want to be like, you know, you ever, you know, those of us who are parents, we know about this. Your kid does something ridiculous. Their tendency is to what? They know they're going to be in trouble. What do they do? A lot of times they go hide, don't they? When I was a kid, I thought I was invisible to my parents if I got up on the top bunk and pulled the ladder up. <laughs> what I discovered is my dad can reach uh, with the paddle over the top bunk. <laughs> and uh, you can't really hide from your father. But, but so, uh, yeah, no, I, I bet he still has that paddle. But I, anyway, um, but, but what I know about our father is we don't have to hide from him. He's good. You know, if he disciplines us, it's for our good. And, and, and so, like, we don't have to hide. We, we just need to be real about where we are. Father, I broke this again. I'm really sorry. Um, I can't do this on my own. Would you help me walk on your path? And then instead of hiding from him, which is counterproductive, we just get back on the path and walk with Jesus. Instantly receive forgiveness. It's already been given. Instantly receive it. Jump back on the path and go. Okay, I sin one moment, I ask forgiveness, I get on the path, I fall right back off. What do I do? I get back up and I go. It's, it's like uh, in, in Batman Begins, you know, uh, good, good old Alfred, you know, he was like, you know, Bruce, why do we fall? So we can get back up again. Man, what a great line. I love that movie, by the way. Um, second to Star Wars for me is Batman. But anyways, uh, but I... I Man, it's a great statement. It's stuck with me, and it's the truth. In the kingdom of God, it's the same way. We fall. Sure, we fall. But we fall so the Father can pick us back up and teach us how to walk with Jesus even more. We see our broken tendencies. We walk in his ways. We learn from him. So think about this. Jesus was the only one in history who could have done whatever he felt like, and he he could have been completely self-justified. But what did he do? He only did what he saw his father doing, and he perfectly lived as a son of the king, submitted to the father. The writer of Hebrews goes as far as to say that he was made a perfect sacrifice through obedience. Now that is, that's interesting, because I think the son of God was perfect already, right? Well, yes, in a sense, but in order to become the perfect sacrifice for us, he had to be fully identified with us as humans, in order to do that, he lived a fully submitted life to the Father, just like we're called to live, and is an example to us because of that as well. But what I'm saying is he's the only man who never needed to live this life. He was already perfect, and yet he lived it anyway, as an example to us. And Paul points out that he himself was essentially living out the mindset of Christ before the Galatians. Paul set aside his rights and his culture to minister to the Galatians as one of their own. He became like them. And of course he's saying now, you become like me. And what was Paul like? Paul was becoming like Christ. Paul was essentially saying to them, follow me as I follow Jesus, as we often hear him write. Okay, so then we might ask the question, so we know that Christ was able to do it, that Christ was fully able to live this life that he's called us to, But then we need to ask ourselves this fourth question, is that how can we do what God is calling us to do through Christ? We can't do it on our own. We've already established that. But we see that Christ did it. But instead of receiving the reward, Christ received the punishment, 
that we deserve, he took the wrath of God on the cross. Now, why, why is that? Well, he did it for us so that we could be set free, so that he could make for us the deposit required for us to live with righteousness that's not based out of ourselves, but that's based out of who he is and what he's done. So we cannot overcome what we lack by trying harder in our own strength. We can only overcome by placing our faith fully into Christ. That's it. And, uh, and, and I think that, that the scriptures make this pretty clear in many places, but particularly here, Paul is reminding the Galatians and, and thus us that we were called to live a specific way because we have been known by God, not in order to be known by God. It's an identity realignment, as we like to say around here. Christ is the true son of the kingdom, and he became one of us, sort of like Paul essentially became a Galatian to serve the Galatians. Christ lived how we were supposed to live, but could never have lived because of sin and death. So he, he lived that life on our behalf. Uh, I, I love this statement. Um, there's this Christian rapper I like to listen to called Shy Lin. So if you're into rap, this guy's awesome. He wrote an album called Lyrical Theology that is like, it's like systematic theology in lyrical form. I love it. Um, so if you ever see me driving around town, listen to some loud rap, you'll know what's going on there. I'm being discipled. But... Um, but, but this, this uh, one of the things he says that it's, that it's the life of Christ as much as it is the death of Christ on our behalf that leads us to salvation. We, we oftentimes forget about his faithfulness, don't we? But we have to have his faithfulness or his death wouldn't have the power. He was faithful. He lived the life we were supposed to live, but we failed to live. He took the death we deserved because we're rebellious slaves. He took that on our behalf. And then, um, and then he rose from the dead so that he could purchase for us the life that we always wanted. It was the life that we were trying to take for ourselves when we reached up and grabbed the fruit in the garden. Rather than trusting in God, we trusted in ourselves, and that led us down a slippery slope. And then he has gone back to the Father, so that he could send the Spirit who would come and actually teach us how to live as sons and daughters because he purchased for us our birthright by being broken in our place. I don't know that it's written any better than what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. I don't have a tattoo, but if I was going to get one, <laughs> that might be, that, I'm not going to because I hate needles. And, anyway, but, but that would be something that would be a consideration. Okay, I mean, that's powerful. So God is seeking to form Christ fully into you. So not only does he want to to declare over you, you're a son or daughter of the kingdom, but what he's saying is that he wants to then help you to actually become that. 
He wants Christ fully formed in you. And that's what Paul's saying. He says, hey, I as a, he says, I as a, as an apostle, I'm just like, I'm in the anguish of childbirth again for you. He says, because I just want to see Christ fully formed in you. He wants to form Christ in your mind. He wants to form Christ in your body. He wants to form Christ in your soul. He wants you to live full of the Spirit, walking constantly in the, the anointing of the Spirit so that you can actually do this. Do you realize that God wants you to actually do this? This is not a pipe dream. This life is actually achievable with the Spirit's help. So um, Paul kind of gives us a little advice as to how we can overcome our sinful flesh and live as God's kids through the kingdom. The first thing that he, that, that I mean, there's just three things that I think are observations right out of this, what we've just talked about. One is that we need to know who we are in Christ and believe it, even when every other voice tells us otherwise. Second one is that we need to live by faith according to Christ's example. Look to Jesus for the example to how to do this. And, and the third is only listen to voices which reinforce the identity that God has given to you. You know, Paul sort of urges them, hey, you're listening to bad shepherds. Shepherds that are taking you in the wrong direction. And can I just say, there's a lot of bad shepherds in our culture today. There, there are people on TV who will contradict this gospel, and they're very popular. There are people in the world who will philosophize and will contradict this gospel. They're very popular. Most people who are actually preaching the gospel like we're trying to do here aren't very popular. <laughs> and, and so can I just say, trust the shepherds that are going to fight for you. And, and I, I'm saying, you know, I'm not saying we're perfect here, but I will, I'll tell you this, we will fight for you on behalf of Christ. I know that. I know these men that I work with on a regular basis, and, and there's genuine concern for this church. We love you guys. But most importantly, like the only reason that any of us would be worth following is if we're following Christ as closely as we, closely as we possibly can, and we're striving to do that. I can guarantee you. Uh, we're trying to walk in his ways. And it, it is work, you know? It's a work by grace. But I heard a preacher say this week that we're saved by grace but then we're called to sanctification, and in sanctification, we've got to grab a shovel. And we've got, you know, and it's all works by grace. We have to understand we're not earning any righteousness. It's all works by grace. But our good works should flow out of God's grace. And now we live differently because we've been given the power. So walk with people who are going to help you down that path and instead of running with the devil, as Van Halen would say. Okay, so... Um, so just to summarize this, God has called each of us to reject the world and to live as his son or daughter. We can't do it because we find ourselves drawn back to our old ways and we cannot overcome this. Jesus, however, did overcome sin as a human because he overcame and broke sin's power over us. We too can overcome in Christ, but we must do it by faith rather than by striving. This means We've got to be at rest in Christ. We have to abide and allow him to do the transforming work in us. It's a lot of words, and if you want it, you can have this. But, but let me just, I don't expect you to walk away with everything that, 
I just said today. Although we do have a new podcast, so you can listen to it again. Um, it's going to be on Google Play and Apple pretty soon. I'm pretty excited about that. But, um, but it's already on Spotify. So, uh, but, but the heart of this is, is that we need to be at rest in, in Christ and embrace who we are in him, who he's called us out to be. So uh, I'll pray for us. Pastor, Pastor Richard is going to come, and he's going to lead us in the fourth act here as we reflect on what Christ has done for us, and then we're going to participate together in the offering. So, Father, we thank you because we have received all that we have through Jesus. And if we have anything worth having, it's through Christ. Father, may we embrace this as your people. May we continue to walk towards this, towards being fully formed in Christ. And Father, I pray that each person today who's here would have a fresh mentality regarding their identity in Christ. Lord, help us to embrace it. Help us not to believe the lies. Help us to walk in your ways because of who we are, because of who you say we are and what you've done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.